We will pick up on Vav Amad Aleph. I believe it's nine lines from the bottom of the Amad. The first word on the line is Hu. We're starting at the second word, Chachitzen Daraisa Ninu, or Chachitzen really Midaraisa. Um, sorry, Chachitzen Daraisa Ninu, Chachitzen really Midaraisa, meaning how could your Rechim Ashi Amar say in the name of Rav that Chachitzen are Halachal Moshimithinai? Chachitzen Daraisa Ninu, Chachitzen are a Midaraisa, they're from the Torah, because they have a Pasuk that says, the Pasuk says, that a person with tummy has to wash his basar b'mayim, has to wash his his flesh, his body in water, which means shalo He may not have anything uh, interrupting or blocking between himself and the water. So you see from the pasuk that you're not allowed to have a chatzitza. So how can you say it's a moshe misinai? So the Gemara says kiyas lehilchasa. What is a lachal moshe coming for? Lisa'aro for the hair. Because you're right, the body itself is not a lachal moshmisinai. That's straight out in the pasuk. But the hair, that's not explicit in the pasuk, and the hair is a lachal moshmisinai. Kedar Rabbi Barbechana, like Rabbi Barbechana, the Amar Rabbi Barbechana, because Rabbi Barbechana says, "Nima achas one hair kishura that is knotted onto itself, chotzetzes creates a chatzitza because the water cannot get into the knot." Shalosh, if there are three hairs knotted together, because they will not be knotted so tightly together, the hair will still, the, the water will still be able to penetrate. If there are two hairs knotted together, I don't know if that will create a, if that will be tight enough to create a chatzitza or not. So you see the hair, the chatzitza issue of hair, that's the halachal sinai, to which the Gemara asks, hold on a second, so aronami darai soninhu. But hair also is midoraisa because because the pasuk says the pasuk we just quoted, berachat es besaro b'mayim is to wash his basar b'mayim. The drasha is as follows: es hatafel besaro. The word es comes to include something extra, something that is secondary to the basar. Umayni, what is that that is secondary to the basar? Saro his hair. So you see that hair also is included in the pasuk. So if hair is included in the pasuk together with basar. So again, what's the Because now we see that both hair and basar are really midaraisa. So the Gemara says, "Kiyas vahilchasa." What's the halacha which we see that coming for the like term Yitzchak for the rule? The, the rule of Rabbi Yitzchak. Amar Rabbi Yitzchak. Rabbi Yitzchak says, turning to Vavam and Beis, the Torah, which Rashi tells us, this means halacha which we is as follows: that Rubo umakbit alav if there's rove of his hair. Again, Rashi explained the word discussing specifically hair. Tosfos and other Rishonim say we're talking about Basar hair also, but we'll go with Rashi. That if rove of his rove of his hair, the majority of a person's hair, has a chatzit of some sort, either because it's covered in schmutz, or because the hairs are knotted onto itself, like we said of the chatzitza, umak pedalov, and he is bothered by it. He is bothered by the schmutz or by all the knots. So then to create the chatzitza, the, according to the Torah, that's a that's a doraisa chatzitza, and that's learned from the local Moshimisinai. because really the Torah just says any chatzitza sounds like any kind of chatzitza would be a problem. So comes the local Moshimisinai and tells us it's only um, a, it's only a doraisa chatzitza if it's rose and he's mastered. Those two conditions. However, love, <coughs> but if he's not makpid about it. Then it's not a chatzitza. Even though it's rove, since he's not makbid on it, it's not a chatzitza midoraisa. The Godrov, the Rabbana, made a gizera al rubosh eno makbid when it's a rove that he's not makbid on to you. One 
You have one strike. You have rope, but it's not makpid. They made a gazera mishum rubo ha-makpid because of a situation where it's a rove and it's makpid, where it's two two strikes. The al-mi'uto ha-makpid, they also made a gazera where it's a mi'ot ha-makpid, so there you have one strike, you have the strike of makpid, but it's not a rove, it's only a mi'ot. So they also made a gazera mishum rubo ha-makpid, again, for a situation where you would have both strikes. So the Gemara asks, the ligs are nami al-mi'uto she'en ha-makpid, why don't they make a gazera also in a situation where it's a mi'ot, then he's not makpid, where you have neither strike, why don't they make a gezerah mishum yutu ha-makbid because of the situation where you have a miyat that you are makbid on, so you'd have one strike, or inami, or in the situation mishum rubo she'enu makbid, or where you have rove that he's not makbid, so you have the other strike. So, in other words, why don't we make a gezerah where you have zero strikes because, in the, because of the situation where you end up, where you'll have one strike, which, which is itself a gezerah. And the Gemara answers, we don't do such a thing because he gufa gezerah. Because that's already a gezera where you have one strike of the two, you have one condition, you have either rove or makpid, but not the other one. So that's already a gezera. We're going to come and make a gezera onto another gezera, we don't do such a thing. And that's why in that situation, it's not even a drabonon chatzitza, where it's a miyot, and he's not makpid on it, even with drabonon, it's not a chatzitza. So again, the Torah says, the buffer and the hair, have to have no chatzitza. The Halacha Moshe Sinai tells us it's only an issue where it's rove and he's makbed. That's the only time the Torah has an issue. Then the Rabbanon said if you have either one of those conditions, rove or makbed, then the Rabbanon made it clear that that's also going to be a chatzitza. But if you have neither condition, it's not rove and it's not makbed, it's not even a gzair the Rabbanon. So now we understand what's the Halacha Moshe Sinai of Chachita. Now the third item that Yubtimer Ashi said in the name of Rab that Talochal Moshmi Sinai was Mechitzas, which is how we got into this, because we said that we learned the size of a sukkah from the height of the Kaporis. We said the Aron and the Kaporis was ten Tfachim, because the Aron we know was one and a half Amos. So we said one am, one Amos is six Tfachim, but we said that only works according to a mayor, that each Amos is six Tfachim. Rabbi Yehuda had a problem, because Rabbi Yehuda says each Amma was five Tvachim. So therefore, the Aron was five times one and a half, which is seven and a half Tvachim, plus one more for the Kaporis is eight and a half. So according to Rabbi Yehuda, we said a Sukkot should have to be eleven and a half Tvachim, because from the eight and a half Tvachim level, where the top of the Kaporis is, up to the top of the Kruvim, which is twenty Tvachim, is eleven and a half Tvachim of space. And therefore, according to following that logic, Rabbi Yehuda should say that a sukkah has to be eleven and a half tefachim. To which the Gemara answered and said, "No, Rabbi Yehuda does not learn it from the Katores and the Kruvin. He learns in Halacha Moshe that a sukkah has to be ten tefachim." And that's how we got into this whole discussion, because Rabbi Yehuda said to Halacha Moshe that a mechitza is ten tefachim. So the Gemara says, go back in the Gemara, Mechitza in Hod Amran. Mechitza is what we said before. The Mechitza is Halacha Mosh Mishinai. It has to be ten Tzvachim. So the Gemara says, Han, Yichal Rabbi Yehuda. So that's very nice according to Rabbi Yehuda, because that's how Rabbi Yehuda needs Halacha Mosh Mishinai to tell us that a Mechitza is ten Tzvachim, and therefore a Sukkah is ten Tzvachim. Elo Rabbi Meir, Ma'ikal Meir. But according to Rabbi Meir, what are you going to say? Because Rabbi Meir... Because Reb Meir has the ten tefachim of the size of a sukkah learned from the size of the Aron, the Kaporis, and the Kruvin. 
So what's Rabbi Meir doing with the local Mishnah? If he already learns the size, as we said, from the size of the R and the Kapar and the Krubin. And the Gemara says, what are you going to do with Rabbi Meir? Create to meet meaning. Let's say it, it, it doesn't go all the way up. Your schach is way above, but your wall is only ten fachim high. But your schach is let's say ten feet high. So good ach, good asik means the wall is extended up using our halachic eyeglasses. That's good asik. So that rule is halacha mishmisinai. The lavud, the rule of lavud that we learned that anything within three tfachim is viewed as if it's connected. That's lavud. That's also halacha mishmisinai. And the bent wall, that we said that the wall can turn to sort of meet the schach. So when the wall goes up, and then if it doesn't quite reach the schach along the horizontal axis, um, we, when we, the schach can turn, it's called a a bent wall, to meet the schach. That's also Halach HaMash Mishinai. So Rav Meir, even though he doesn't learn the actual size of the sukkah from Halach HaMash Mishinai, he still, he uses, the um, he learns Halach HaMash Mishinai, the rules of good, lavud, and Dovna Kuma. Starting the next part of the, the Mishnah then said, if you need, a sukkah has to have three walls. So Jainal Shoshtafanos has to have three walls. We learned in Ebraisa, Shtayim Kelchason, two walls have to be Kehalacha, meaning their appropriate length, meaning like we said, seven Tvachim, right? We said a sukkah has to be at least seven by seven Tvachim. So two of the walls have to be Kelchason, a full seven Tvachim long. Ushlichis, the third wall, Afil Utafach, can be even only a Tafach. That would be sufficient for the third wall. Rabbi Shimon, Omer Rabbi Shimon says, no, Shalosh Kalachasan, you have to have three complete walls of seven tefachim each. The fourth wall can be a tefach. Meaning, so the Rabbonin say you need to have two full walls, seven tefachim each, and then a third wall of a tefach. Rabbi Shimon says you need to have three full walls and then a fourth one of, of, of a tefach. What's the source of their maklokes? So before we get into too much detail, Let's look at the Pasuk. In the first Pasuk in the Torah, or HaSholem, we've seen this Pasuk before. The first Pasuk in the Torah, HaSholem, of Aleph. Pasukos teshu shivas yamin. We have to live in Sukkot for seven days. Kol ezrach b'yisrael yeshu l'asukos. All citizens, or all natives of Pal Yisrael, should live in Sukkot. And then the next Pasuk continues. Pasukos l'man yidu l'raseichem. In order the generations should know. Ki basukos l'shavti l'shavti because in Sukkot. I caused the Bnei Yisrael to live, but see how some are trying. When I took out of Israel, and the Hashem Elokeichem, I am Hashem. So in these two psukim, the pasuk uses the word Sukkos three times, and I will point out to you if you look carefully, the first time, the first word by Sukkos, there is no vav. It's beis samach kaf sof. A few words later, the last word of that pasuk is spelled the same way, beis samach kaf sof. If you go to the third time, it says by Sukkos. So Shafti, Sukkos over there has a Vav before the, la- before the last letter. So again, the first two times there's no Vav, the third time there is a Vav. But it's pronounced by Sukkos all three times. And that's going to be the point of the Machlokes, Rabbanon, and Rab Shemin. And we will continue at this point tomorrow, but that's going to be the source of the Machlokes. Again, Rabbanon say you need to have two full walls and then the third wall of the Tafach. 
And Rabbi Shimon says you have to have three full walls and the fourth wall of a tefach. And the source of the Machlokas we're going to see tomorrow is how we dash in these three times. The Torah says the word basukos spelled different ways but pronounced the same way.